Here on The Gaggle, we've been tackling some pretty heavy topics. Today, we're diving into how you might be able to make some money if luck is on your side, or lose some money if luck isn't. In 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down a 1992 anti-sports betting law. This opened the door for state legislatures to create their own sports betting laws. And since then, 20 states in Washington, D.C. already have sports betting laws in place. Arizona is now entering that fold. We're talking about a new sports betting bill signed by Governor Doug Ducey in April. I think we can call this a win, win, win for the tribes, for the state, and for the taxpayers. How will all this impact Arizona's economy? Who's benefiting from this new law? I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. And this is The Gaggle, an Arizona politics podcast. Today, we're talking to business reporter and major Suns fan, Ryan Randazzo. He's been following the gaming bill very closely, and we're going to get a sense of what all this means. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. So for us gambling novices, what is sports betting? Can you just sort of give us the fundamentals in this world? Yeah, well, it's it's just like uh, when you bet your friend uh, when you're at the ball game, uh, who, who's going to win? Um, but you can make all kinds of proposition bets, uh, you know, how, how many points people are going to score, uh, what the final score is going to be, and, you know, uh, just a hundred different ways that you can bet on professional athletics and that's going to be what you get here in Arizona. And kind of the, the key to that is you're going to be able to do it from your phone. Uh, so you'll be able to remotely wager on professional sporting events, including college. Uh, but on, on college athletics, you're only going to be able to uh, bet on the outcome of the game, not on the proposition bets. So up until now, this was not legal, right? Like you could like you and I could make a bet on a game, but it wasn't enforced anywhere, right? Yeah. And that's the key difference is now this is legal in Arizona. Plenty of people make illegal wagers, um, either with their friends or uh, illegal bookies. Um, But now you can safely bet uh, through legal uh, sports books once this gets up and running, um, which should give gamblers a lot of confidence that they're, you know, betting with a legitimate uh, gaming operator rather than, uh, you know, an, an illegal online operation. Maybe another way to preserve some friendships as well, but that's a different matter. Ryan, uh, give us a sense of how Senate Bill 1797 made its way through the legislature and onto Governor Ducey's desk. I'm guessing there was a lot of behind-the-scenes opposition to this, but we really didn't hear much about that from social conservatives. Right. They were uh, very quiet on this issue compared with uh gaming expansions in the past, even even um, minor additions to the lottery have drawn opposition from uh, social conservatives in the past. Uh, even though the, those folks cleared the way this time around, it was still a bumpy road. Uh, Senator T.J. Shope and Representative Jeff Weninger introduced companion bills so that they could move through concurrently and quickly. That all sounded good. The tribes were on board. Uh, so that brought along most Democrats at, at the legislature. Um, and uh, 
the Democratic caucus was just very likely to go along with what the tribes wanted. There were a couple of Democrats um, said that Ducey had promised their caucus some discretion in how they got to spend $90 million in COVID funds. That money has guardrails on how it has to be spent anyways, so I'm not sure that that was really what, what put them over the hill on this. Uh, Republican David Gowan, though, did uh, try to throw in something on this that that seemed to muck it up in the middle of the legislative session. He tried to throw in what's called historic horse racing, which uh, would have benefited horse tracks, particularly one in the Prescott area that was in some serious financial trouble and needed this historic horse racing uh, addition. That's basically betting on horse races that have already happened on a slot machine like kiosk. It would have brought in money for the horse tracks. That was not going to go over well with the tribes. Um, so that held up the legislation. You folks here on the gaggle actually asked Ducey about this at the time. I was surprised how confident the governor was that his bills would overcome that obstacle, but he was right. Uh, the bill eventually was withdrawn from Gowan's committee, so they didn't have to put on the historic horse racing. And it more or less sailed through after that. It was uh, only six no votes in, in the Senate before it went to Ducey. Uh, landed on his desk, but he actually had a huge signing ceremony at the Heard Museum with representatives from most of the state's tribes by his side. It is the only time I've ever seen that, um, that many tribal uh, leaders in one place. And also, there were representatives from many of the state's pro sports teams in attendance uh, for that signing ceremony. Originally, these tribal communities were against off-reservation betting. So do you have a sense as to how the governor was able to persuade them to support SB 1797? Yeah, so the tribes get to expand their casinos. They get to build new casinos. They get to add all sorts of new games like craps, roulette, pie gow, sick bow. Today, tribal casinos in Arizona only offer 21 or blackjack and poker. So it's a big expansion for them. There's a new casino planned in the West Valley. There's something planned from the Gila River tribe south of Phoenix. The Navajo were planning a new casino outside of Flagstaff, and there will be a new casino in, in Metro Tucson. So the tribes get a lot. They wanted a big expansion, and the governor got something out of them that he probably could not have negotiated at any other time in allowing off-reservation sports betting. And just to be clear, we don't know where those casinos are going to go, right? Generally, we know, but we, we don't have uh, firm locations yet on, on those tribal casinos. Um, but they, they have discussed where they're looking generally. So 20 other states already have legal sports betting in place. Why did it take so long for Arizona to catch up? And what were the incentives for making this legal in the state? Well, yeah, it has taken Arizona a while. Um, not only did 20 plus DC already have it, five more have legalized it, but it's not up and running. And there's proposals in 14 other states. We're probably going to end up with sports betting in most of the country besides Utah. Um, but tribal opposition really has been the sticking point here and in some of these other states that um, have not enacted this yet. Uh, it's a very difficult hurdle to overcome. I think that could actually be the only thing um, that, that was really there because the uh, social conservatives, um, I don't think would have been able alone to, to stop this. Uh, but Arizona is a major sports market. So the momentum to get this approved was quite strong here. Uh, but timing really was key because if the tribal gaming compacts were not on the table today, this probably would have had to wait until they were. 
And I'm guessing that the tribes really wanted to get those generous compacts from Governor Ducey while they could, rather than gamble, pun intended, on who the next governor would be and whether they would agree uh, to the same terms or even similar terms. So I really only go to casinos if there's like an event at one or I happen to be in Vegas with family and, you know, I'll play the quarter slot machines because I'm a total cheapo or like some um, electronic sort of game that features these really crazy, weird green aliens that is kind of fun. So I'm confused for people like me, like who's going to run these betting operations? What are they actually going to look like? I mean, how does this look different than, you know, the slot machines or the little, you know, video game type um, machines that you see in Vegas and some of these casinos? Well, totally different um, because this is pretty much all of it is going to be done uh, remotely on your phone. Um, you can still go to a sports book, sports book, excuse me. Um, but, uh, most of the sports betting in Arizona is going to be done remotely. And that's why people are really excited about it because it's going to be easy for them. There are allowed under this 10 sports books on the reservations to be allowed and 10 off the reservations. Um, but you don't ever have to go to one. Uh, and that's sort of key here in other States, uh, you need to register in person with the sports book before you could place a bet remotely, if they even allow you to bet remotely. Uh, but that will not be the case here. So you will not ever have to go inside of a sports book to, to place a bet here. They still are planning those. So already the Phoenix Suns have made a partnership with a company called FanDuel. Then they will have a sports book in downtown Phoenix. TPC Scottsdale, where the big PGA tournament is played in Arizona every year, has a deal with a company called DraftKings. You might have seen these companies because they're advertising on television in the Arizona market now. And the Diamondbacks announced a partnership with Caesars to, to open a sports book also in downtown Phoenix. So they will be there, but they're more or less for marketing purposes to remind people that you can, that you can bet in Arizona now. And where this gets really interesting is you are not going to be allowed to place a bet, uh, for example, with the Diamondbacks if you happen to be standing on a tribal reservation in Arizona. So they use what's called geofencing to make sure that if you are trying to place a bet uh, on a reservation, that you need to use that reservation sportsbook um, to, to make sure where the person standing placing the wager is actually allowed to be making that wager. And that, frankly, is how um, legal sports betting is precluded from Arizona today because other sports, of course, other states, of course, have legal sports betting. But if you travel to Arizona from those states, you can't place a bet uh, because it, it has not been legal in this state up until now. Like, what do all these sports teams have to gain from all of this? What do they get? Well, they get money. I mean, they, they get to run a sports book and they're going to have to pay um, whoever they partner with. So, you know, in the case of the Suns, they're going to pay FanDuel some share of whatever um, they take in revenue wise, but there should be plenty left. All things being equal, each sports book should take in about $10 million in revenue, uh, just based on estimates, um, you know, for how much people are going to gamble in this state. So, uh, you know, that's enough to uh, sign a, a, a new defensive player for some of these teams or, or whatever. I mean, that's 
not a ton of money for franchises that are worth, uh, you know, upwards of a billion dollars, but um, it certainly doesn't hurt. So, Ryan, they put a lot of thought into how to make this convenient for fans, but there is, of course, the, the concern about how do you regulate this activity? How are they going to make sure that, for example, underage people are not betting uh, if they don't have to go to a casino and, and can do this via apps? Well, the State Department of Gaming, they'll regulate it and they'll license it. Um, but the mobile sites are going to be responsible for screening participants. And that's something that they already do all over the country. And frankly, if they were not good at it, we would not be seeing this here today. You know, if there was uh, rampant underage uh, betting through these sites, then that is something that uh, would not have gone over here in Arizona. So I do have uh, some confidence uh, in that. Um the other thing is just the technology, you know, they already are geofencing people out. So, you know, someone standing across a state border cannot place a bet uh, if they're not standing in a, a legal state. Um, and so if the technology companies can do that, they can certainly screen the participants to make sure that they're of a legal gambling age. There also is a self-exclusion list in Arizona. So if you have a problem with gambling and, and don't want the, the sports books to take your bets, you can put yourself on that list. So not only is Arizona in the national eye because of its politics, and obviously we all know about that, but sports fanatics are closely watching the NBA team and the Suns as they make their way through the playoffs. We know, Ryan, you're watching them closely too. People who are looking to make a buck off their wins, do they have that option yet? Or is that something that they're going to have to wait for until next season? Well, after last night's uh, nail biter against Portland, I realized that I do not have the stomach to wager on my favorite teams in Arizona. But no, uh, we are not going to have legal wagering here in time for the NBA playoffs. But fall football, uh, that should be when we are seeing our first legal bets here based on the timeline for when the U.S. Department of Interior has to approve the tribal compacts. So once that happens, then the sports books can get licensed and open. That should be pretty quick. I mean, they can start building the, the site that they want and certainly setting up the infrastructure with their um, technology partners. Uh, but we also will not see the tribal casinos expand or start to offer those new games until late this year as well, because they need to wait on the compacts. So there are some bettors out there who presume they will make a lot of money off of this. Um, they may be in for a surprise. But who really makes the money in all this, Ryan? How much is this expected to bring the state? What does it do for the tribes? And how's all this money going to be put to use? So experts expect about $3 billion in wagers to be placed in Arizona. It sounds like a ton, but sports betting have, has an average hold of about 7% nationwide. That means out of every $100 bet, the sports books win about seven uh, or keep about seven. Uh, based on those estimates, Arizona should see about $225 million in revenue um, at the sports books. So that breaks down if there's 20 sports books, you know, a little more than $10 million each in revenue for, for each sports book. When you get down to the tax collections uh, of, of about 8% on, on the revenue, that's about $16 million in additional tax collections for the state, give or take. Every dollar helps, but that is not going to shake loose tons of new cash in the state budget. Um, from the government's perspective, though, it's always nice when people decide to give you money through things like sports betting, that when you have to take it from them through income taxes or 
vehicle registration fees or whatever the gimmick of the year is. Um, the Joint Legislative Budget Committee expects about $34 million in additional tax collections from all of the things that were in the legislation. But even that's probably a little bit low because it doesn't factor in what the tribes will see as far as their expansions. So the JLBC is factoring in the $16 million or so from sports betting and also from the fantasy sports kiosks and Kino and the mobile draw game from the state lottery that are all going to be allowed at fraternal organizations and veterans halls and, and horse tracks under the legislation. The tribal part is what's unknown. Last year, the tribal casinos, without sports betting and without all these new table games, they did about $2 billion in revenue, and they sent $102 million to the state. So if the tribal casinos expand, say, 10% because of these new compacts, then you could expect roughly another $10 million or so to the state from what they collect. But that is really the unknown because we don't know how fast and how big those tribal casino expansions are going to be. But there's, there's tens of millions of dollars in new tax collections for the state. Uh, and again, all of that money helps. So I've got a bunch of girlfriends who go to Vegas every year to bet on the NCAA games. I'm guessing maybe they won't have to travel to Vegas next year, and perhaps they can do that here. How do we think this could affect tourism? And how might Arizona sort of become a destination of the states that um, that allow this? Well, um, it's really speculative, but there's definitely an impact and you point directly to it. So you do not, as an Arizonan, you will not need to travel to Vegas to place bets. Now, there's a lot of reasons people go to Vegas. For me, it's essentially to eat and then they take some money from me on the gambling side as well. But yeah, there's probably going to be some drop off in tourism out of Arizona to go to go to those NCAA parties or um, you know NBA playoff parties, whatever it might be, where people choose to just stay here and do that, or go to one of these sports books. So we're going to keep more money in state, and that's something that the lawmakers pushing this really uh, keyed in on as a benefit. You know that you did, you're going to keep more Arizona dollars in the state of Arizona. On the flip side of that, we're going to take more money from the people that come here every year. Right. So in the spring, when the weather is nice and people come here to watch spring training uh, baseball and they come to golf, they're also going to be able to place wagers and leave a little extra cash in the state of Arizona before they go home. So there is a bigger impact there. It's just really hard to put an estimate on it at this time. All right, Ryan, when we're back in the office, I'm going to be hitting you up on uh, tips on how to place my bets. And maybe you can uh, even help me wager on my kids baseball games. <laughs> Not sure that that's allowed under the legislation, but maybe we can do a side wager there. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Where can folks find you on Twitter if they want to follow your reporting? I am on Twitter at Utility Reporter. All right. Well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend or two. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Manny Lozano. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. Also, be sure to check out Valley 101, an Arizona Republic and AZ Central podcast that answers all of your questions about the Valley. From silly to serious, you ask the questions and we find the answers. 
For The Gaggle, I'm Yvonne Winget-Sanchez. We'll see you next week.